We're in this series called Swipe Righteous. It's about dating and relationships and and sex even. And last week we talked about what to look for in a man if you're single and ready to mingle. You need to know. And let me be honest, it was pretty challenging on the men, wasn't it? Like all the men are like, geez, pastor. Today we're going to talk about what to look for in a woman, a woman of God. If you're ready to date or maybe you're trying to raise a young man in your household and you want to guide him as he pursues romantic relationships. So the title of this message is, Who's That Lady? Who's that lady? Who's that lady? Come on, the last service sang with me much better. I'm very disappointed. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And this is the passage that frames this series for us. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So as men, those of us who were looking for a spouse, or maybe you are looking for a spouse, how many of you know that before Jesus, we had a sinful nature? And this nature, it corrupted our thoughts and our attitudes towards other people. Maybe when it came to dating before you met Jesus, you looked at women as nothing more than sex objects or as prizes to be won. And maybe you even went on multiple sexual conquests, but I believe that you probably discovered the thing that everyone has discovered, that the those conquests still leave you feeling empty and alone and unsatisfied. And the Bible says when you met Jesus, you were able to throw off your old sinful nature, the way you'd throw off a, a, dirty, a dirty rag that was covering your body, and you put on your new nature, created to be like Christ, created to be like God, righteous and holy. So you're able to think differently now with uh, different thoughts, different attitudes, because Jesus brings the truth, right? And he shows guys that, first and foremost, women were not created to be objects for your personal pleasure. They are not created to be prizes that you you pursue to just win, to collect like that. No, they're daughters of God and created in his image and they're intended to be valued as precious the way they are precious to God. And, and so you think differently now. And then when it comes to relationships, as a man who has put on his new nature, you're able to understand that you don't need a woman to be complete. And I know a lot of guys, they grew up and going back to the schoolyard days, it was like, bro, you can't even get a girlfriend. What's wrong with you? Guys would talk trash to each other, and there was this kind of idea that if you didn't have a woman who liked you, you were less valuable. But, but guys, you have to understand, as a son of God, as a man of God, you don't need a wife to be complete. And you have to understand, your completeness starts with you and Jesus. And out of that, you're able to operate from a position of security and confidence, and there's nothing more attractive to a woman of God than a man of God who's confident in his identity that comes from Christ. Where you're not making decisions out of desperation, but you know that you've been restored and brought to life in Jesus, and that's where you get your confidence and security. So first, let me say this. Church, let's not judge single men. And condemn them. Because churches can be weird about this, right? Like, you meet a guy who's single, and it's like, well, what's wrong with him? Why is he still single? There's got to be something wrong with that guy, I know, or he wouldn't be single still. Let's let's not do that. Because remember the Apostle Paul said, I wish you were all single like me. Remember, he was like the rock star of the New Testament, and he stayed single. But then on the other hand, let's do this. Like, church, don't be weird about this. Don't judge men who are single and looking to get married. 
Because some Christians are weird about that too. Like a dude comes to church and maybe after a while he wants to, to ask a lady out. And, and sometimes like girls can get weird about that. They're like, oh, he's a creeper. He's trying to ask girls out. It's like, where do you want him to meet people, right? I know there's some single ladies here like, he can ask me out. Ready. So we know you don't need a woman to be complete, but it's a good thing when you desire to get married. It can be a blessing if you're single and you want to get married, or if you're raising a young man in your household, maybe you have a, a grandson or a nephew that you want to give godly advice to. They have to understand you need to marry a righteous woman, a woman of God. And at Generation Church, we call women of God beautiful girls. Amen. Where are beautiful girls at? We got beautiful girls in the house. My wife assures me it is okay for me to call you beautiful girls. All right? I mean that in the most endearing way. So if you're looking for a spouse, you need a little bit of background. First, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God created Adam and put him in the garden, and he was by himself. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So let me just address this, because I know that if you don't have a lot of history with church, there are ladies in the house today who are like, helper? I ain't no man's helper. And you need to understand, this is not a derogatory term, okay? This word helper is used throughout the whole Bible to, listen, describe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if God calls you women a helper, it's a title. Man, that's good company to be in, right? That's an honorary title, to be a helper, someone who helps that way. Um, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, and he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. One of the things is to, to teach us truth and remind us of the word that Jesus spoke, and that's what a good wife does as well. For her husband, she teaches him how to behave and reminds him where all his stuff is at. <laughs> Doesn't she? Like, I'll be like, hey, babe, where are my keys? You know, like, help me. I know you know. But like the Holy Spirit, a, a godly wife does a lot of other things for her husband, just like the Holy Spirit. She comforts him. She advises him. She advocates on his behalf. She makes him more bold. She makes him more strong. She brings out the best in him. And so Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Amen? Some of you men just missed out, like, so big. I set you up to hit a home run right there, and you're all quiet, like, I don't know about that. You'll have more opportunities. So you need to find a beautiful girl, a woman of God. That's what you need. So first, let's talk about what she looks like. A beautiful girl is kind. She's kind. Nobody wants to marry a mean girl. It makes for a good movie, but a bad wife. I remember when I was young and I was attracted to like these more feisty, sassy girls and I was like interested in them. I didn't realize that the feisty when you're dating oftentimes translates to bratty when you're married. <laughs> you know, I didn't understand that. I didn't know. And Proverbs 21, 19 says, it's better to live alone in the wilderness of Arizona than with a quarrelsome, <laughs> complaining wife. You're better, because like a quarrelsome wife, man, she's looking to fight, she's looking to nag, she's critical, she's mean, she yells, 
and that will make you miserable, men. She's not kind. You don't want that kind of wife. You have to understand what the Bible says about an ideal woman of God. First Peter chapter three, verse three. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. So let me explain this. Um, it doesn't mean, ladies, that you can't go get your hair did. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with, with nice jewelry. If you like it, you're supposed to put a ring on it. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy shopping. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy fashion. But listen, ladies, it says, don't rely on those things to make you beautiful. Because that outward beauty, it fades, unfortunately. But there's a better type of beauty, an inward beauty, that does not fade. And it comes from having a gentle and a quiet spirit. So what does that mean? It does not mean that she has to be quiet or soft-spoken or reserved. That's not what that is talking about. She could be outgoing. She could be a leader. She can be a strong woman, but still have a gentle and quiet spirit. Like I think about my wife, Amy. She has a gentle and a quiet spirit. Although she is strong, she is confident, she can preach the word of God, but... This gentleness and quietness of her spirit, it makes such a huge difference in my life. Like, I'll, I'll get so worked up or frustrated sometimes or, or upset or worried, and Amy just walks into the room, and it changes the thermostat of my soul. It just calms me down. And, like, if she just, like, gives me a little hug and starts whispering little words to my heart, she'll just be like, it's okay. She's like the Ryan whisperer. She's like, It's okay. It's okay, you're okay. And like, I'm like, oh, like, it makes such a huge difference in my life. And this is what it means to have a gentle and a quiet spirit. The word gentle, it means meekness. It means that even when other people are wounding you or looking to hurt you, you trust God to defend you. You're not looking to fight. Having a quiet spirit means you have inner peace, a state of calm in your heart. And it's a state of peace that you not only have within you, but you carry it into other situations and into other relationships. That's what my wife does for me. She brings her inner peace into my situation, and it calms my heart. That is beautiful. That's kindness. It's so helpful and so special. Some women don't bring peace, right? They bring drama. And women have an ability to stir up drama in a special kind of way. Like, guys can be dramatic, too. We all know that guys can fight. But it's different when guys fight, isn't it? I remember back in the day, like, two guys, you can get in a fist fight. You can be bleeding. And at the end of that fight, there's a good chance you'll become best friends. You'll be like, well, let's go get some ribs. It's okay, right, bro? Like, women is totally different. Like, you offend a woman. You fight with a woman. There's a good chance that like, you'll be like, she's dead to me. I don't even want to see her in heaven. She can stay on the other side of heaven. And the thing is, this drama stirring up, this quarrelsome nature stirring up drama, it will affect her husband. It's not kindness towards other people, and it brings his whole world into a state of chaos. Yes. And this is what it says in Proverbs 27. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. 
Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind. Her complaints, man, she's going to huff, she's going to puff, and she's going to blow your house down. She will wreck your life. You got to watch out. Don't excuse that in the early stages of the relationship. Um, And I see this, that when she's quarrelsome, when a woman is quarrelsome like this, it can just cause a lot of trouble for her whole family. I'll tell you this, as a pastor, I've noticed that when a family or a couple leaves a church because of offense, oftentimes it's because the wife got offended. It's true, okay, and, and I, there are exceptions to this, but, but I talked to last week about like a, a husband, a man of God leading his family. Let me just encourage you men, as men of God, as leaders, if your wife gets offended or hurt, that's an opportunity for you to lead, to step in and say, um, honey, I love you, I hear you, but we're gonna deal with this the way the Bible talks about in Matthew 18. We're gonna go to our accusers or the people who offended us. And we're going to talk this out. And if we need to get help from our pastors, we'll go to our pastors and bring them into the situation. We're going to work it out in a way that honors God. We're not going to fight with God's people. Jesus said, your love for one another will show the world you're my disciples. So we need all God's people to be peacemakers, not quarrelsome. Guys, it's so important to find a wife who has a, a quiet and gentle spirit right? I'm talking about her spirit. This is not about personality. It's about spirituality. She can be very outgoing and expressive. That's fine. I think it's because God knows that as men, we need our wives to help us oftentimes to steady our our hearts as storms of life come up, and they have the ability to do that in a special way. If she's calm, if she has joy in her heart, she can bring peace and joy to her husband. Amen? So she's kind. Beautiful girl is kind. Here's the next thing if you're taking notes. A beautiful girl is wise. How many of you ladies know where I'm going with this? Yeah, she's kind. She's wise. In Proverbs, it talks about this beautiful woman, and she is a representation of wisdom. Wisdom. All God's people need wisdom, but there's something beautiful about a woman who has wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowing information, but knowing what to do in any given situation how to apply biblical knowledge to her life. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. It says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. That end of that verse is really interesting to me. Side note, real quick. Like, if you're a man and you're praying for God, your authority to help you, but you're treating your wife wrong, that passage tells me that God might be not listening to your prayers. Like, he might say, like, well, when you take care of the people that you're responsible for, maybe I'll be willing to listen to your prayers. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay, it's just something to think about. But this passage says that men are called to honor their wives and to treat them with understanding. Women can be difficult to understand. There are only two things you need to figure out about women. Nobody knows what those two things are, but (laughs) if you figure them out, let me know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, no, really, really, like, this passage says that um, as a husband, it's not okay to just throw your hands up in the air and be like, oh, no one can understand wisdom. There's no understanding. No, when you married your wife, you signed up for the lifelong pursuit of understanding her. You're supposed to understand her. You need to understand her and study her and learn her. 
A man of God needs a wife who is wise. And so in the original creation order, when God put Adam in the garden and put Eve by his side, he called them to, to take care of creation together as partners. They were supposed to make each other better and walk hand in hand, side by side, and do what God called them to do. But when sin entered the world, it messed up all of God's creation order, didn't it? And so throughout, throughout much of history, men did not treat women as equal partners, did they? But Jesus changed that, and he restored what was lost to sin. Here's what we read in Scripture, that a woman who is wise can help her husband accomplish the purpose that God has given him. She's called to be his equal partner. And she can only be his equal partner and contribute if she has wisdom. And so how does she, how does she have wisdom? What do you look for if you're, if you're looking for a spouse? Um, first, wisdom comes first and foremost through the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? It means when you recognize that God is great, and I have a problem with God on my own. My sin separates me from him. And I need to get right with God because I don't want to be on, on bad terms with him. That's the fear of the Lord. And it's the beginning of wisdom because it leads you to confess your sins and receive Jesus and become saved, which then leads you into a relationship with Jesus Christ as a friend. And that leads you to love the Lord back the way he's always loved you. What I'm getting at is, guys, when you look for a wife, you need to look for a woman who loves Jesus Christ, who has accepted him as her Lord and Savior. She needs to love Jesus more than she loves you. If you're dating and you get the sense that your girlfriend or fiance loves you more than Jesus, that's a warning sign. You need to deal with that. Because if she loves you men more than Jesus, she will crush you under the weight of expectation you could never meet. You can never do for her what only Jesus can do for her. So you need to know that she loves Jesus and that she has wisdom that comes from the Lord opening our eyes to spiritual truth. Before Jesus, we were blind to the truth. We were foolish in sin, but the Lord opened our eyes through salvation and we can see the truth. We're able to then have wisdom. Without knowing Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, she'll make decisions based on emotions rather than Biblical wisdom, and your life will be insane. Proverbs 9 says, The woman named Folly is brash. She's ignorant and doesn't know it. Ladies, so do you make decisions based on emotions or based on wisdom? Guys, if you marry a woman who is spiritually ignorant and foolish, you'll spend more time cleaning up her messes than being productive with your life. But a beautiful girl looks different, right? Proverbs 13, or 31, 26. Proverbs 31 talks a lot about the, uh, the woman of God, a righteous woman. It says, when she speaks, her words are wise. And just like the Holy Spirit counsels us, because she is wise, she can counsel her husband and be an advisor to him. My wife, Amy, is a wise counselor in my life, and she is invested in this church and its well-being. And so I love to go to her and, and get her wisdom, like, hey, I'm thinking this. What do you think about this? And as a partner, an equal partner in this mission, she helps me so much. Without her, it would be hopeless. Like, I would be lost. And oftentimes, I, and she just brings so much to this relationship. And I believe any woman of God who has wisdom can do this for her husband. 
So guys, if you're, if you're dating and you're, you're kind of wondering, like, man, is, is she the one? Well, I would say look and evaluate, does she show signs of wisdom in other areas of her life? Like, does she make decisions based on what the Bible says rather than just her own opinion? Does she handle her money wisely? Does she manage her household wisely? And if she's not, maybe it's because no one's showed her or taught her, but make sure it's not because she's spiritually foolish. Proverbs 31, I love what it says about this kind of woman. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This woman's working it, right? She's the original female CEO right here in the Bible. She's wheeling and dealing, buying fields and selling them. Her husband's at work. He doesn't even know his wife's out making a profit, starting a wine company. He comes home like, what did you do today? She's like, I made us a fortune. You're like, awesome. I mean, this amazing, nothing is sexier than when a woman gets a good deal, right? Like, I, my wife's like, you know, I got 75% off. I'm like, girl, you're making money 75% off. That's amazing. I love you. That's a Proverbs 31 woman right there. And, and with wisdom, she manages her household and things are organized and, and her family has what they need. She's wise in how she approaches her problems and even how she approaches her husband. Like, let's be honest, ladies. Like, there are going to be times when your husband has, has weaknesses and you are called to help him become stronger. But how you approach him will likely determine the outcome of that confrontation. If you approach him with brashness, with foolishness, just speaking the words as they come to your, <laughs> to your head, like, it's not going to go well. But if you come with wisdom, it looks really different. Like There's a, a story in the Bible, some of you know, maybe some of you don't, about a queen named Esther. And God used her to rescue his people from annihilation. And so she was married to the king, King Xerxes, and she went to him, and she was going to plead her case, but she was wise about how she did it. She was like, I need to ask you a question. He's like, what is it? She said, um, first, I'm going to throw you a party. She threw him a party. And so at the party, it's like going really well. He's eating food. You know he's happy. He's like, girl, what do you want? I, I'll give you anything you want up to half my kingdom. She said, I'm going to throw you another party tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. I mean, this is like really savvy. At the end of the day, she got what she needed and God used her to rescue his people. I mean, that's wisdom. My wife does the same thing to me. She's an amazing cook. I didn't know she was going to be such a good cook when I married her, but Martha Stewart has nothing on my wife. Okay? Like, she is an amazing cook. And there's so many times, like, she'll make dinner and I'll be like, they're eating that food and I finish that last bite. I'm just like, ah. And then that's the moment where she's like, so I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even care. I don't even care. I'm like, yeah, girl, you do that. Some people, isn't that manipulation? I'm like, no, that's wisdom. I'm not mad about it. Beautiful girl is wise. Here's the next thing. A beautiful girl is brave. She's brave. I think women struggle with fear in a slightly different way than men typically do. I think more often men just kind of are, are dealing with fear in regards to what's happening in their life right now. But I think women, they tend to, to wrestle with fear about what might happen in the future, about what might happen with their marriage and what might happen with their kids, what might happen with their household. And fear leads us to insecurity, 
And out of insecurity, we make foolish decisions. We become fragile and make bad life choices. And so God wants us to be brave. 1 Peter 3, verse 5. It says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God. Just notice that. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, there's an example. Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master, her Lord, her leader. You are her daughters when you do what is right, watch this, without fear of what your husbands might do. Okay, so we're talking about Sarah. She accepted the authority of her husband. She respected him as her leader without fear of what he might do. Well, if you know the Bible, you know he did some stupid things. And he got her into some bad situations, was not winning husband of the year. But she still said, I'm going to accept your authority because why? I trust God. My trust isn't in you, my husband. It's in my God. And because of that, she was able to be brave. And I know we got a lot of wives in the house and maybe you're dealing with a situation where your husband has made bad choices. He might be making just whacked choices and you wrestle with fear in those moments. You might freak out like, what if my husband isn't a man of God and he doesn't lead our family well? Uh, he's not cultivating me. He's not loving me. I might not ever be happy. Fear of what might happen. And so we know what will happen if you let yourself live in that state. Genesis 3, verse 2, talks about when the curse of sin entered the world, part of the curse that was directed towards women was you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. This is part of the curse of sin. Remember, originally God designed man and wife to walk side by side as equal partners. But because of sin... We see that throughout history, many times men have oppressed women. And throughout history, we see that women will try to control men. How do they do it? By emotional manipulation. Fear, when you fear what might happen, wives, you're tempted to control your husband and you do it by emotionally manipulating him. And like I said, men are especially vulnerable to the emotional state of their wives. We're very in tune with that. And so when she's not happy, nobody's happy. And, and I think like whether you realize it or not, like all ladies are tempted to use that as a weapon. And, and maybe you're not yelling yet, but maybe you're just like sighing really loud. You know, he's, he's watching TV. He's not paying attention to you. And you're just kind of like standing over his shoulder like. <sighs> and he's there like, yeah, what, what, what? Can I help you? And you're like, no, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's fine. It's fine. And then you go like into the kitchen, you're like slamming cabinets. It's like, I feel like something's wrong. No, you wouldn't care. Or maybe she cries, she says some tears. Like, you know, sometimes you cry, you can't help it. But like sometimes, like there's some ladies, I think they know those tears are a weapon. Because when a woman cries as a man, you could be like mad, but she starts crying. You're like, oh, I'll do whatever you want. Just stop crying. Just just stop. I want to make it stop. She might yell all really in the effort to control her husband and get him to do what she wants out of fear that if he doesn't, she might not 
be happy. She might not be okay. And like I said, this is actually the result of the curse of sin. But we read in scripture, you're her daughters, you're Sarah's daughters. You look like her when you do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. You do what is right, ladies. Don't fear what he might do. You do what is right. Don't try to control him and manipulate him. You do what is right. The temptation you'll face is to try to grab the reins of the relationship if he's not doing the thing you think he should be doing. And that's not going to be good for your marriage. One of the temptations you'll face, ladies, is to bail on the marriage if you're afraid you won't ever be happy. In churches today, more divorces are initiated by women than men. And I've seen this. I've talked to other pastors about this, and research confirms this. More affairs are initiated by wives than husbands, especially among Christian circles today. And I think it's especially out of this fear that your husband won't ever measure up and that you won't be happy. And I've even heard women say this. Well, I think God just wants me to be happy. No, that's a lie. God will never allow you to use sin to justify the pursuit of happiness. He never wants you to do that. The Bible describes some reasons that are justifiable um, to get divorced, but, but there's just a couple reasons like adultery or being abandoned by your spouse, not because you're afraid you won't be happy. And so you got to be tempted. You got to watch the temptation to bail on your marriage. Uh, and some of you have girlfriends who might say things like this to you, like, oh, girl, you just deserve to be happy. You need to get out of that relationship. Um, you'll never be happy in that relationship. That is a lie from the devil who's trying to deceive you. You do what is right. God wants you to do what is right. And here's the truth. This is a promise. I promise this is true. When you do what is righteous, God will lead you into happiness. It happens. He will give you happiness. So let's say your husband's like acting a fool, ladies. Um, he doesn't come to church with you. He treats you poorly. There is a way to deal with that. First Peter 3, verse 1. Then, even if some husbands refuse to obey the good news, in other words, they don't accept Jesus, your godly lives, women, will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So he could be acting a fool, but God says this to you. You do what is right. Your godly lives will win him over, and you won't even have to say anything. And listen, I can tell you as a pastor, I've seen this happen. Where a woman gets saved, and her husband is still not a follower of Jesus, and just her godly lifestyle eventually starts to wear him out. And maybe he wouldn't go to church with her at first, but over time, he sees there's something different about you. You're not the same woman I married. Okay, I'll come to church with you, but just this once. And then you got him. <laughs> it happens. Bravery begins, ladies, when you trust God. When you trust God that he is in control of your life, not your husband, that he is your hope. Your hope is not found in your husband. And single guys, if you're looking for a wife, you got to look for a lady who's already placed her trust in Jesus. She looks like this. Proverbs 31 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. I love that, right? Like this woman's brave. She laughs in the face of danger. Ha, 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 ha. Because she's brave. She trusts God. 
She knows he's in control. Beautiful girls are brave. Here's the next thing. Beautiful girls are strong. A beautiful girl is strong. Bravery is about what you're willing to do, but strength is about what you're able to do. Remember, Jesus is called our helper. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. God is called our helper. Psalms 115 verse 9 says, O Israel, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. God is able to help us because he is strong. Because he's strong, he is mighty and powerful. He's able to conquer sin and deliver us from death. Because he's strong, he can help us. There is nothing more attractive than a strong woman of God. Nothing more attractive to a man of God than a strong woman of God. Proverbs 31 says, she is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She's a hard worker and her strength makes her husband stronger. My wife is a hard worker, man. She is a strong woman. She has a, a quiet and a gentle spirit, but she is a strong, confident woman. Woman, And she's a hard worker. Like when I got married to her and I saw how hard of a worker she was, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I gotta get some work. She's making me feel lazy. Like, I gotta fall. I can't let her outwork me like that. She's strong. She's a strong woman. And that made our relationship stronger. It made me stronger. Wives, you have the ability, women, you have the ability to make the men in your life stronger. Your strength will allow him to be stronger. The stronger you become, the greater the man in your life can become. Wives can do this for men. They can make them stronger the way that the Holy Spirit makes us stronger. My wife makes me stronger. Like, I'll be carrying in groceries to help her when she goes shopping, and she'll be like, ooh, you're so strong. And I'm like, what? What did you say? Yeah, I am strong. Watch this. Watch, I'm going to do even more next time. And I get like 30 bags, and I get like in my teeth, and I'm like, ah, look how strong I am, babe. <laughs> She just makes me stronger in so many ways. If you take a man of God, and last week we talked about what a man of God looks like, and you put a strong woman of God by his side, there's nothing that couple can't do. They will become an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. So ladies, your husband needs you to be strong, and the way you become strong is trusting God, finding your strength in the Lord. Like we talked about Sarah, she put her trust in God that made her beautiful. It made her strong. A strong woman knows my help comes from the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. My strength comes from the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and it raises me up from the dead and it gives me strength to live for today and do what is right. Even when things look scary, I can do what is right. She's strong. She's solid. Her feet are planted on the solid rock. That's a woman of God. That's a beautiful woman right there. And this is the way that her husband will speak about her. Proverbs 12. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And Proverbs 31, 28 says this, her husband praises her, a godly woman, and says there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Okay, so look what we just learned right there. Man, you got to choose your wife carefully. Choose her carefully. That passage that we just read, she will either help you or she will hurt you. She will sustain you or she will drain you. 
We just read, she'll be a crown of glory on your head or cancer in your bones. She'll make you stronger or weaker. And ladies, you need to understand this. You got to choose. I'm going to be a woman of God who brings my husband strength, not shame. I believe like the passage we read says that a woman of God is a physical manifestation of God's favor and grace. And a woman like that, your husband is going to praise your name. That passage says her children will stand up and call her blessed. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but none of them compare to you, babe. You're amazing. You're the best. That's the kind of women that God wants to raise up. Kind, wise, brave, strong women. And so I want to talk about this as we come to the close of this message. The last couple of weeks, we talked about a man of God and a woman of God. And I know the majority of the adults in our church are probably already married. And so a lot of um, them have been sitting there. And I know there's some people who've been wondering to themselves, like, what if my husband is not a leader? What if my husband isn't a man of God? And, and some guys may be sitting here today like, what if my wife doesn't do those things? What if she is quarrelsome, right? So I want to talk about that. What if I'm married and my spouse isn't blank? You fill it in right there. What if I'm married and my spouse isn't blank? Maybe you're saying, my wife is making me miserable. She doesn't respect me as the leader of our family. Maybe you're a woman, you're sitting here, my husband isn't leading our family. He doesn't love me the way that he should. Well, first, I want to say this. I think any time that we critique someone else's behavior, we need to look at ourselves and take responsibility. Like just, just kind of corny, but like if I point at someone, there are three fingers pointing back at me. I think I need to critique my own performance three times as much as I critique someone else's. Right. So I'm just saying, like, men, if you would say your wife is making you miserable and she is not respecting you as the leader of your family, well, I would say the state of your wife is the result of your leadership. So take responsibility. If you are neglecting that garden as the husband, right, you can't expect it to just bloom and be beautiful on its own. No, it's going to have overgrowth and thorns and thistles and weeds and predators might even try to sneak in. You gotta care for her. You gotta water her and protect her. And, and over time, when you do those things, she will flourish, she will bloom. Over seasons, she will become beautiful. I say, wives, maybe your husband isn't leading your family, but I, I just wanna challenge you just gently as a brother in Christ. Maybe he's not leading your family because he learned early on in the relationship that there is no leading you. Maybe he gave up a long time ago. Because he realized he couldn't win that battle. Guys will not continue to play a game they realize they'll never win. They will take their ball and go home. So ladies, you got to set your husband up to win. And, and you understand, you win when you set your husband up to win. You need to know this. Maybe your husband isn't as far along spiritually as you are, wives. But some of you knew that when you married him. And you justified it then, but you're blaming him now. Yeah, then when you married him, you're like, oh, he'll, he'll grow. He'll get better. He, he's nice to me, and he loves me, and that's what's most important. And now you want to be mad at him because he's not the spiritual leader of your family. I'm just saying, take responsibility for, for those choices. Uh, or, or maybe he isn't loving you as well as he should. But let me just first ask you this. Is he really not loving you well? 
Or is he not loving you well compared to the imaginary man you created in your mental laboratory of romantic fantasy? Are you just comparing him to an imaginary man you saw in a movie or read about in a book or saw on a TV show and you started fantasizing like, that's what I should be treated like too. But like that guy doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But like maybe he is not legitimately loving you as well as he should. Remember what we read that your godly lifestyle is what will win him over. That's what will begin to change him not nagging him, not criticizing him, not tearing him down. I've heard some wives say this, I don't respect my husband because he doesn't deserve my respect. Think about how crazy that is. Like, I, I just want all the ladies in, in our church to imagine for a moment that you heard a man say this, I don't love my wife because she doesn't deserve my love. All the ladies in the church will be like, boo, crucify him, boo, give us Barabbas, boo. That's crazy. How can any Christian say someone doesn't deserve our love or respect when we have received God's love and we've been honored by God and we didn't deserve any of it? So we should love each other freely. It's a gift you give. It's not something that someone earns. If your spouse isn't living up to your expectations, know this, that your actions can affect your relationship. They can affect your relationship positively or negatively. So if you're a man, you're saying like, I'm mad because my wife, she does not respect me. You got to change your attitude and choose to act differently. You got to say, no, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to let her actions determine my attitude. I'm going to love her so well that she won't be able to stop herself from respecting me. That's what you say. Like wives are there like, I'm mad. I'm frustrated because my husband, he doesn't love me well. No, I'm not going to let his actions determine my attitude. I'm going to respect him. I'm going to honor him so well. He won't be able to stop himself from loving me. I can control my actions. And the Bible shows me my actions will affect my relationship. I'm choosing to do that. And here's the key. Here is the key. I think everyone needs to take away from this. If you're wanting to help your relationship get better, you have to learn how to speak life. Speak life. I believe that in many ways you can speak the spouse of your dreams into existence. Let me explain that because someone's like, okay, he will have a six pack. He will have a six pack. Like, he ain't going to have no six pack. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but I believe, I believe, and I, I, I can prove it to you. Like, think about how you got saved. You confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believed in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you were saved. It shows me that what you confess with your mouth, you'll eventually believe in your heart. And as you start to speak life, you'll start to change your own heart and your husband and your spouse, right? And I think the way you could think about it is this, like you need to prophesy over your marriage. People are like, well, prophesy, what is that? That sounds weird. Like To prophesy biblically is to proclaim by faith what will be. Every single Christian has prophesied because you proclaimed by faith 
that you accepted Jesus, that God would forgive your sins and that you would be saved. And guess what? He did. That prophecy came true, right? So I believe you can proclaim by faith what will be and start to change your marriage for the better. You can prophesy over your spouse like wives. You can prophesy to your husbands and say, you are a man of God. You are a great leader. You are a good provider. You are a handsome man. You're a great father. You're a fine hunk of man meat, and I cannot get enough of you. And just like, watch him get stronger. He will. Like husbands, you can prophesy to your wives, like, you are a great wife. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. You are a crown of glory on my head. You are beautiful. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? It's you, girl. I prophesy. I proclaim it by faith. You're the best wife in the world. And watch her start to flourish. The words you speak, it will not only change your spouse, but it will change your own perspective of your spouse. Some of you are speaking your spouses to death. And you can speak them to life. Don't speak them to death. Walk around like, oh, he's not a good husband. He's not a good leader. He's not a good father. He doesn't love me well. He doesn't deserve my respect. You're driving the seeds of death further into your heart. And you're showing your husband, you can't even win with me. Oh, she's not a good wife. She doesn't respect me. No, no, no. Those are words of death. Speak life instead. Watch as you speak love, you'll start to see love. As you speak respect, you'll start to see respect. As you speak loyalty and romance, you'll see those things. And you're like, I believe you will reap a harvest that is determined by the seeds you sow. The type of harvest you reap will be determined by the kinds of words you speak in your relationship. If you're speaking death, you're going to reap a harvest of a hard marriage. If you speak life, though, watch your spouse flourish, come to life, and bloom. Your marriage will be better than you ever imagined. I believe it's possible for you. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads really quick. And, and maybe there's someone in our church today who says, like, man, this talk about having a right relationship with Jesus and accepting him as Lord, I need to do that. Maybe you know right now you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that that hasn't happened yet. And the Bible says that because of sin, we've all been separated from God. But we can be restored to God by placing our trust in Jesus, that he is righteous, that he died for our sins on a cross, that he saved us, and that by trusting him to save us, we can be free from sin. And not only does he free us from sin and let us off the hook, but he shows us favor and adopts us into his family, calls us his children, and pours out all the blessings on us that Jesus deserves. That's mercy and grace, and we receive it by faith. So if you know, I need to do that today. I want to take that step. God brought you here for this time to take this step of faith, and just pray this with me. We all have our heads bowed. I'm just praying your own words. Just say, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sins, and I believe that he rose again so that I could be free from death and have eternal life. I want to follow you from this day forward. I trust you to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just pray that prayer and you meant it, God hears it and he will save you. So I want to close this way. I'm going to ask all the women of Generation Church to stand up, just to stand up today. I'm going to invite my wife to come on stage with me.
And I just want to pray for you. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as God's daughters, that you would receive his favor and protection in your life. So all the men in the room, will you just pray with me as we pray for these ladies? God, we thank you for these women. We pray that you would raise them up to be mighty women of God, that they would be beautiful inside and out, Lord. We pray that you would favor them and bless them, protect them from all the schemes of the enemy. Lord, guard their hearts against lies and deception, God. Guard their hearts against the lies that they might not be happy in a difficult situation, Lord. Help them to trust you that you're in control that you are their hope, that Jesus is by their side, and that satisfaction comes from him alone. Lord, I pray for all the men in this church that you would help us to be godly leaders and husbands, Lord, that you would help us to become men of God as you desire. Help us to be the men that our wives deserve. Lord, I thank you for these amazing women, Lord. I pray that you would keep them in your hand and just develop them, God. Help them to become even stronger, Lord, even braver, even wiser, even kinder for your glory. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.